and welcome to Hit the Books Podcast. This is week two. We are recording on July 23rd, 2017, getting ready for our Monday release schedule. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you the latest news and uh, discuss some topics for your enjoyment. And eh, maybe tell you some new releases this week. Maybe. <laughs> Probably. We're going to tell them to you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Emery, what have you been up to? Any new comics you've been reading? Um manga. <laughs> um mostly I've just been keeping up with the X-Men. Uh and I think that's mostly because uh as far as the rest of Marvel's comics are concerned, uh they've taken to just writing a lot of comic book stories where the hero just just does well i guess like there nothing bad happens to them there's no stakes mm-hmm. it's really weird um still america <laughs> it's just just reading that comic book hurts me <laughs> there oh, why are you still reading it <sighs> you committed uh, 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 it, it's not that i'm committed it's just that i have to see what happens <laughs> maybe they turn it around hopefully yeah. hopefully like someone like catches wind because like they write these things on like a monthly basis mm-hmm. so like maybe someone gets some clap back or you know feedback or just something where the writer realizes that these aren't being written well these like when the story is sucking and the characters are just not compelling at all mm-hmm it just it, it's just bad it's just <laughs> bad um it when they do that to characters like our our new spider-man our new ms marvel uh the uh the, the new captain america they didn't really do that too but he didn't really stay captain america that long mm-hmm. um the new hawkeye Oh god the the new hulk the new iron man they just they they all just they don't know how to to be as like people but they they know how to they know how to fight or they know how to be in the right place at the right time and never have anything bad happen to them <laughs> it just it it hurts. It hurts and like I, I get it. I do. Like we're trying to get more people to read these things and we're trying to also at the same time be sensitive multiculturally, but it just comes off as like we're we're hand holding. Mm-hmm. It hurts. <laughs> it's bad. Stop it. Yeah, unfortunately for me, I've been uh working out the kinks with some of these videos and uh, podcasts. And, of course, when you don't have a super powerful computer, it can take, you know, 10 hours to render a two-hour podcast. So, uh, Yep. I, <laughs> now that the kinks are worked out, it shouldn't be that way anymore. But uh, it's been a hectic week for me trying to get all this stuff done and the normal work and all that stuff. So, There's a lot to catch up on, especially since Comic-Con happened. <laughs> And I finally, and this is based on a book, so I can talk about it on the podcast. All right. I finally jumped into Witcher 3. 
The Witcher 3. So that's been eating up quite a bit of this oh, week's time. I remember playing that game yeah, and I, saying goodbye to everyone. <laughs> I, I wanted to read all the books first. And of course, not all the books were published in English until this year. Right. <laughs> so I had to wait every year for the next one to be published in English, even though they were written 40, 50 years ago or something, you know. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I definitely push. recommend anybody read the books first. They're they're published in English now, so they're easy enough to get, and they're super cheap. They're like 10 bucks a piece at, at you know, uh, not Borders. Borders closed. Barnes & Noble. And you can get them, you know, on digital apps, but get the physical book. We always talk about physical stores and books. Just get the physical one. Please support your local bookstore and comic book store. And comic book store. But uh, Witcher books are really, really good. There's also some great Witcher comics, which I have upstairs. I have there's two mm. there's two runs that I I know of. It's like Children of the Fox and uh, can't remember what the other one is, but I have them both upstairs. They're really good too. So if you haven't played Witcher three yet, I realize that's probably <laughs> unlikely. But if you haven't played Witcher three yet, I definitely recommend that you go back and read the books and. Uh, do yourself a favor and go online and look up what the correct chronological order is. Because again, because they're Polish and we're English and nothing makes sense. Right. Uh, Things are told kind of out of order. They, they released the English publications of the short story collections. There's two short story collections that predate the novels. And I think the second book that was published is actually the chronologically first series. And then the second one comes after. And then there's five novels that are part of a, a, a story that all goes together yeah and quite honestly the short stories are even better in my opinion than the uh novels themselves and the novels focus a little too hard on siri and i don't <laughs> i don't think siri is a very interesting character i don't know she, maybe she's cool in the games but the witcher 3 is the first game i actually played and since i don't really have a good computer i can't really play the first two yeah uh, when it came to series characterization in like the third game mm -hmm. uh, from what i could tell they made sure to make her more than just a magical girl who like just succeeds all the time yeah uh, well she there's a lot of cool backstory in the novels for her you know it, her origin is pretty cool and how her and uh girl get together is really really cool in the books and the i i've only played the first you know 10 hours or something which is nothing story-wise but uh <laughs> Geralt and her they seem to allude to it I don't know if they ever referenced it in the games but like they're just kind of like oh he's kind of my adopted dad and he kind of you know trained me as a witcher but they didn't yeah. give us the mutant gins you know but they don't go into like in the books it's like they have a very very hard conversation not only with uh uh, was it Vesemir, the older Witcher? Yeah, and the other Witchers that live there, but also with uh, uh, Triss, who it, even though uh, Yennefer is kind of like the mother figure, Triss is kind of the one that actually stepped in and <laughs> taught her things and raised her. It's kind of ironic. Yeah, it's kind of the babysitter, you know. In the books, you know, Triss and Geralt have a fling in like the short stories but in the novels it's very clear that yennefer is the one he wants you know oh yeah and, yeah and you get to play around with that in the game yeah. a bit <laughs> and there's one character in the book says the best character in the entire series for me and i haven't seen him in the games and based on what happens in the books i'm pretty sure i'm not going to 
but he's a very unusual character that appeals appears in the last two novels, I think. The, the second to last novel is where he first appears. Mm. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything because it's kind of surprised what he is when you find out. But he's he's easily the coolest character. So yeah. definitely read those books. Uh, they're great books, especially if you're like a Lord of the Rings type of guy and you want like a mature version of Lord of the Rings, like a more mature version of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's it's very much like a very mature uh, uh, version of Lord of the Rings. Yes, a very yes, uh, a cynical European. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, there, there's a lot of sex and violence. <laughs> yeah, there, there's. I think there's more probably in the short stories. There, there isn't too much like sexual content. I mean, it, it happens, but it's more like and then fade out. You know, <laughs> you, every, and, and then the lights it, went. It's out. not like the George R. R. Martin where it's just <laughs> like he looked at her supple breasts and then he looked again. <laughs> And her breast pressed against her tight shirt, you know, where it's very clearly like George R. R. Martin being like, a, an old pervert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's not that. Yeah, Sapkowski's a little bit more, <laughs> a little more know, re- restrained. Yeah, he has a little more tact in that regard. <laughs> but it's still it's great stuff to read, like the political intrigue and like the very mature like. You can do this, but it may not turn out good for you, even though you're kind of trying to do the right thing. Yeah, uh, sometimes yeah. people are terrible. Like, the complexity of the games is very clear in the books, and it's very clear where those origins come from. So, Oh, yeah. Definitely read the books if you haven't played the game, because a lot of they make a ton of references that I don't think they explained in the game. There's like in the books, especially like the little books you pick up. Oh yeah, like those books come straight, like reference things that happen in those short stories and happen in the novels that you wouldn't like. You're reading it and you're like, if you had no context for it, you'd be like, what the fuck are they talking about? You know. <laughs> Thank you, CD Projekt Red. Yeah. For being that thorough. Also, side note, CD Projekt Red, could you please hurry up with Cyberpunk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think that'll be cool, but I'm not really. I, 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 that, that's a soft spot for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was big into Shadowrun back in the day. All right. Yeah, cool. it was like all about uh, let's hack into the Matrix before the Matrix came out. Hold on. <laughs> it's all right. It's fine. They have those movies. Those movies are done. Maybe one day I'll have my Shadowrun movie. One, one day. day. Well, I mean, we're getting d- another Blade Runner, so why not? <laughs> Harrison uh, Ford's old grumpy ass. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> they made me play Han Solo again. They said that I couldn't fly my plane into a car again unless <laughs> I did this movie. <laughs> Fuck off. Carrie Fisher's dead. Just try taking my airplane license, I'll dare you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, Harrison. That poor bastard. <laughs> you can just cast Dennis Quaid for everything. He's the poor man's Harrison Ford. <laughs> he looks just like him. He looks like him enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, into the news. Uh, much like last week, a lot of our news is coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, which wrapped up right right after we were done podcasting, so we didn't really get to talk about everything that happened over there. But uh, the big poster boy for the whole event. No, Every pun intended. All right, maybe maybe it was intended. Maybe it was a good pun. A little bit, a little bit. 
uh, Infinity War has released its complete poster. They were rele- releasing sections of it before, but now it's like a full poster, and it's kind of like an artist rendition of like every Marvel character they've built up until now, and then a few of uh, Thanos's men. Thanos. The, the thing with the poster is, I just think Thanos looks weird because he has no helmet on, <laughs> and it's just this big he, purple bald thing. He he's a hat guy. Yeah. Like, he needs he, the helmet. He just yeah. It's like you ever see those people like on the street and it's like they they take their hat off. It's like oh, put it back on. Yeah, put it back on. Yeah, and he's not the only one that looks a little different. Uh, you see Scarlett Johansson has kind of like almost white blonde hair, kind of doing the atomic blonde look. A little bit. I don't know if she's doing it as a disguise. And then Captain America has a kind of a, the Viking beard going on. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few character changes there, and it looks like Nebula is somehow involved because she's down there, even though, uh, spoilers for Gardens, she kind of walks off and does her own thing. Uh, I mean, she walks off and does her own thing, but this is Marvel, so she's going to show up again. Yeah, why not? Also... Because why not add one more person to the payroll? Right. Also, did Captain America, or Captain America No More... What the fuck do we call him now? Nomad? That was a thing, right? I don't know. Yeah, there was a point in which he was not America's son, or America's favorite son. Um, At that point, he was called Nomad. He just traveled and did good until he became Captain America again, because America needs its captain, I guess. Yeah, but that's basically the big news. It's just uh, now footage is leaked of the trailer that they showed at Comic Con for Infinity War. If oh, you want to see it, yeah. If you want to see it, you can you can just Google it and it'll come up. Like everything that leaks, yeah. But I'm not too. Uh, I I don't feel the need to watch a really grainy trailer, you know, a year <laughs> before it comes out. I'd I'd rather just wait for them to release it and like, watch it like then. A, a a legit trailer. Yeah, there's no no. I mean, it's literally like the crooked, shaky cam. Oh, you, know? you can't hear anything because people are talking and stuff. You know. Oh. So yeah, if if you're really that impatient, impatient for it, you can just go look at it. But I I'm not gonna. <laughs> waste my time uh, not that big a deal uh and then justice league got a new trailer where they basically allude to uh the big s returning uh he's you not the only thing they alluded to yeah you don't see superman on screen but everyone's affleck, assuming it's ben superman affleck, yeah ben affleck kind of refers to him like i knew you'd come back or something. maybe it was alfred i don't remember yeah alfred one. alfred says like he told me you were going to come back. Yeah, and I'm pr- I'm pretty sure that's Superman. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Obviously, we know he's in the movie, but yeah, yeah it, it makes sense. And but I still want Green Lantern, and we get our first. Like, I don't full, care which one. Yeah, <laughs> we get our full first full non-generated image of Steppenwolf. Yeah, apparently he just comes around and throws axes at people, and well, that's about all he does. He's like, hey. You guys have a world. Yeah. It's mine now. And I, I still have the same concerns with this movie as I did before. The CG looks terrible. <laughs> it looks so bad. 
<laughs> Especially for Cyborg. Like, yeah. The CG just looks, I don't know what they're looks, doing. It but looks awful. Oh. Whatever company. Like, I know they kind of clean it up a little bit before it gets into theaters, but they don't have a lot of time left. No. I don't see it getting too much better. I mean, this that CG is horrible. And, like, with the exception of Wonder Woman, they're not doing very good with this universe, so... They're really not. Like, Wonder Woman... It, and that's the funny thing that I remember from the new trailer, is that um, Wonder Woman's warrior women show up. Like, out of everyone is, like, the, there's Batman, who has Alfred, mm-hmm. and Commissioner Gordon. Then there's, like... All of that island, which is like, Themyscira. oh, you remember our good movie? <laughs> yeah. Themyscira is affected too. Yeah. They're a part of this world. Yeah. Right? Except the best one, spoilers, dead. <laughs> and the most goofy like scene for <laughs> for Steve Trevor. Ripperoni, Robin Wright. Ripperoni. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> I just... Hippolyta, you're, you're okay. But it, we we got to see more from you if, if you're gonna be like the the head of the of the of the women of the warrior women. Like you, we got to see more than just you being on a horse and saying, "Don't do that," or "Do that." Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, basically, again, I'm the DC guy, so this hits me right in the heart. But uh, I don't. There's new rumors going around that have been denied in a very studio-esque way where we're going to keep them on as long as we can. <laughs> but they've basically alluded that they're, that Ben Affleck is for trying to find a way out. Oh, And they also happen to announce that Flashpoint is going to be the the Flash movie now. <laughs> which makes me which makes me suspect that because Ben Affleck doesn't want to be Batman anymore uh that he's going to basically peace out and flashpoint and they're going to come back and it's going to be some other guy being Batman I'm guessing you know and I don't with the Snyderverse I could very easily that see them going like oh no this is like we're gonna have just Thomas Wayne this time. Yeah, you know the the but Punisher the, and a but bat they gotta suit. come back. You know, yeah. It, but basically, the what's been circulating is that Ben Affleck doesn't want to keep doing these movies, and he doesn't want to commit to another, you know, five to ten years of these movies because he's too old, and he doesn't want to keep working out. Basically, <laughs> uh, which I, is I, ridiculous to me, right? Because like, you, you're Batman. You signed up knowing what the plan was. You it, know. Yeah. Like Marvel took 10 years to get to Infinity War. <laughs> Justice League is coming out what 3 years after BBS, 2 years? Yeah. I I think the I think the big thing is that like uh, you're it, already on an accelerated timetable and you're still not happy. <laughs> I mean, BBS critically was not received very well. And I think he's just worried that he's going to be stuck in another movie that is received well. And it doesn't help that months ago, uh, I think it was Diane Lane, the the lady who played uh, Martha Kent. Mm-hmm. This is the part where you're supposed to say, why'd you say that name? But um, I yeah. like that part. <laughs> Fuck all of you. 
I get that it was a reach. <laughs> that it was just a fanboy. Oh, both their names are Martha. <laughs> it was a cool moment. I don't think... I think the stupid, like, why did you say that name? <laughs> like, that was dumb. I, I mean, it could have been played differently. But it if he was been much like, differently. I've got to save Martha or something. It, yeah. Yeah. Because like, there, there are ways to justify it but it's still like the way it played out is kind of silly <laughs> it's a little silly but uh, <laughs> i liked it i thought it was a good scene uh, okay. i thought it was a good idea okay. i just executed a little poorly. Yeah. well that lady of all it, the complaints yeah that, and there are a lot yeah that was my that was the <laughs> smallest on the scale <laughs> more on that later um the lady who played that role that we just talked about uh she months ago actually like went on record to say like someone had asked her a question and it's like oh so where do you think this movie's going to stack up with like you know marvel's movies like the avengers or something like that mm -hmm. and like she just like straight up said hey it's not going to be better than the avengers <laughs> and just like <laughs> well it sucks because they they and they, i really don't think they have a better option than just redoing everything right they really do just need to trash everything start from the beginning make a new batman movie with a younger guy someone in his 30s that won't cry <laughs> about having to make more batman movies and being paid millions of dollars to <laughs> represent your childhood hero <laughs> i have to work out yeah i'm, I'm sorry ben affleck and most likely like... it won't even be snyder because snyder's taking time off for good reason you know right uh, again, so you'll probably yeah. get a decent director Yep. You know, and they Let's already, hope they know what mistakes they've made, so they can redo it without making the same mistakes. It, it just, I get we got a good Wonder Woman. I understand you can redo her. Yeah. You you the movie you did was way in the past. Nobody's gonna know. <laughs> just, just keep her. People have I, actively tried to forget. <laughs> I like what they're doing with Aquaman. I am a traditionalist, so I do like kind of the cleaner cut, blonde haired version. But this one looks good. I, we have no story context for them, but it looks like they're doing it in a good way. Yeah, I, I'm on board with you know underwater Cal Drogo. <laughs> so like I don't, I don't see a problem. You can the best parts haven't really been represented in modern times too much yet. So yeah, just take them out. Be like, <laughs> you guys were good. Come on, <laughs> it, 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 we're gonna start a new universe. It, it, Flashpoint. If they do the, I really hope they don't do the Flashpoint though. Like. I think the, they're gonna. The I, guy that plays Flash, he just doesn't look. Maybe he'll play the part well. You know, I'm completely judging a book by its cover. But his yeah. costume looks stupid. He, he looks like a cosplayer. He, 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 he looks like he literally put that stuff together by himself. Which He looks is, like he's wrapped in saran wrap. You know? Kind of. Um, like, if that's the look that they're going for, or if that's the idea that they're going with, like, yeah. this is a person who just... He doesn't know how to do this, so he just kind of just like put shit on, yeah. and he's fast. Fine, like you better play that up perfectly, yeah. to a T. I th I think they just gotta like wash their hands of it. Be like, we can't commit. We'll probably make money, but we just can't commit to another ten years of this. You know, with actors dropping off left left and right. You know, there's there's just no way to maintain this universe. It's gonna crumble. You know, right. So they just need to wash their hands of it. I'd say, you know, of the movies they got on the plate right now, if they're not already in production, drop them. If they're in production, fine. You can finish out your Justice League story and then be done, you know. 
do the second Justice League that's already scheduled and probably already partially filmed and finish it off and wash your hands of it. Yeah. Because I, I don't see a good reason. Unless Justice League is just some amazing gem of a movie that we don't expect that we don't that comes completely out of left field you know please just we didn't let it be it you ruined lex <laughs> luther for a lot of people suicide squad apparently was not good uh, you again. still haven't seen that no i'm scared <laughs> i'm scared to watch it because i love the trailers and i thought it was a great idea and now i'm afraid that if i see it my dreams will be crushed again uh, it's a rite of passage. Superman Henry Cavill looks good in the role. He plays he plays the role well, but he needed a better script. The the writing for Man of Steel and for BBS is just god awful. It's terrible. Uh, Lois, like again, the actress that plays Lois, she's fine. She's great. She, I yeah. love her. It, but like, like these people just she, need better writing. Just nothing to, for them to do. I like yeah. Alfred. I like the Alfred they have and how they portray him. Yeah, as kind of like a cocky smart ass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like it, Jeremy or Jeremy I, Jeremy, or Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Jeremy Irons, okay. Uh I knew it was a J something. <laughs> but Irons plays Alfred great. Uh Ben Affleck I can take or leave. I mean he looks the part fat bat kinda dark, <laughs> you know, dark knight fat bat, but uh that is the first time I've heard that I'm I'm gonna keep that one. He, he's, yeah, <laughs> a he, fat bat. He looks like fat bat. Yeah. <laughs> He, I mean, his, but his face does kind of have like suppo- a bit of a he's puff go- to it. Yeah, he's going for the Dark Knight Returns look, which I understand. But I thought I like even when it came out, I was like, "There's no way they can sustain this." Because if he's already old, yeah, how, that... how are you going to push him for another ten years or whatever to create this universe? And then they're like, "We're releasing everything in the next three years," and I'm like, oh, "Okay, never mind." It, so, yeah, that, between that and it, I, I just have to say this: like when when you make Murder Bat basically a murderer because someone murdered his robin even though his robin like everything that they set up made him look like he probably murdered people too it <laughs> yeah. just like wash your hands clean of it yeah <laughs> just start over i really think and it's not even a light or dark thing it's just inconsistent yeah we can have dark stories dc like that's why i'm a dc fan i don't want the cartoony like over the top everything story yeah i, I it... want the more grounded dark like kind of cynical story but like we talked about in our wonder woman review they took something that was very like forward thinking very like humanistic and they kind of ruined it with magic <laughs> you know uh watch our review or watch the movie yeah if you want to hear what yeah. i'm talking about it's a Man. spoiler but yeah but DC just the movies at least keep doing this thing where they're like, we don't know if we want to copy Marvel or if we want to be like over the top dark because that's our thing. But it's not over the top dark; it's just inconsistent with the character. So we have the murder fat bat, <laughs> we have you know the Joker with the steel teeth or whatever, yeah, and the tattoo across his forehead and. We had obviously been to jail and not an asylum joker. Yeah. We have Yeah, uh, that one. We have the wannabe joker Lex Luthor who's a <laughs> you know, looks like a Eisenberg who looks like a 14-year-old child, you know. <laughs> like the stupid uh, that that jolly rancher scene was just so stupid. I, I keep thinking of him as ending, like a Riddler type. BBS. Yeah. Oh, he's coming. He's coming. It's not like None of this is necessary. <laughs> and the tornado dad scene of Man of Steel. That 
That was when I first knew I was worried. The fir- <laughs> very first movie, the tornado dad scene, that's when I knew this was not going to go well. <laughs> so, DC, I, I've, especially if these rumors are even a little true, please, I beg you, just reboot. And they've already announced that the Shazam movie won't have The Rock as Black Adam, which is their whole selling point. Well, yeah. Shazam I think they also kind of realized, and this is... It, it, th- thank you, DC, for giving me a reason to defend you. But um, I think the biggest reason why they're not going to have him, at least in the first Shazam movie, is because he's The Rock. You really think they're going to make a second one? I, I think they're going to make a Black Adam movie. And no, uh, okay, no way. it might happen. It, it might happen. It won't. <laughs> I'm telling you right. It's not even on the slate. <laughs> For the next five years, there's no way they're going to make a Black Adam movie. I, I, I'm, I'm going to hold out hope. I, I'm going to hold out hope that if they're trying to they already salvage screw, they this already mess. Screw up, yeah, they already threw out the script that had Black Adam in it. The reason he's not in the next movie is because they threw out the script and got a new one. Probably because they didn't want to pay The Rock. Because they're like, oh, we're probably going to bomb this universe. So we should probably not pay these people we want to use later. Right. So that that's kind of what I suspect. God damn it. But, just... yeah. DC, quit quit using CG for every little thing. It looks terrible. Also, and, uh, you know, just restart. At least their comics are good. It's You got you got, you got yeah. a, the first really good Wonder Woman movie out of it. That You can applaud yourself for that. Nothing else in this slate really matters. It, right. Is, we they, already they, saw, have, they have one shot. We already saw the Trinity together on screen. Yeah. You got that. Good job. <laughs> it wasn't a good reason, but it, it happened. So there you it's go. It's like you, you got them together once. Let's go back and try it again. Yeah. So uh, next on our news, uh, a kind of related note. DC is talking about how they're uh, Dan Didio and uh, Johns and everybody are trying to talk about how they're going to... Uh, reclaim the kind of non-dark dc universe which i think is stupid i think they're just trying to copy marvel now and it's not gonna go well uh, having grounded DC is marvel's thing now yeah having grounded stories is what dc is all about which is why i gravitate to them you know yeah like there's a way to embrace that and again there's a way to do that right yeah (laughs) it just they haven't done it right yet um in Justice League, oh god, th- this is going to be like if this movie is as much of a mess as it could potentially turn out to be, it, it that's going to be the final nail mm-hmm. in the coffin. And uh, our last story from Comic Con that we have not already discussed, our last major note. Bright has been uh, announced by Netflix. Oh, for those yeah. unfamiliar, I wasn't. Sh- it came out at Comic Con, so I had to look it up and make sure it was a comic because I didn't remember it. But Bright is a comic from Image Comics. I don't know when it came out, but it looks like, based on the artwork and stuff, it looks like it's you know probably ten years old or something at least. Yeah, but uh, Bright seems to be again not really familiar with it. Just talking out my ass here from the trailer. But Bright seems to be basically in a world where there are several races of kind of fairy tale creatures 
uh, all living together and coexisting. You're watching Will Smith and his partner, who is some kind of non-human, uh, yeah. patrol as police officers and deal with crime in the city. And I guess the, there's certain magical instruments that are akin to nuclear weapons and stuff. And uh, it's going to be a Netflix, I don't know, movie or was it TV series? I think it's a movie. Okay. Uh, from what I heard. I was kind of hoping it would be a TV series because I thought that would be kind of cool. Kind of yeah. like a powers type of thing. I, I think it would probably work better as a TV series, yeah. honestly. But Will uh, Smith probably wouldn't sign on for a TV series. Well, uh, then his wife did. Yeah. His wife signed on for Gotham. So. Yeah, I mean, if it was good enough and they had like the story to go along <laughs> with it, which this comic series, it seems like they would. Yeah. Um, as far as like the description of like what this looks like, uh, Will Smith himself actually described it as best he could as basically like if you were trying to mash two movies together to make this movie, it would be like Training Day meets Lord of the Rings-ish. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I saw the trailer. I thought the trailer looked, uh, I mean, there's some things that were kind of goofy to me in it, uh, but I love Will Smith. Yeah. You know, he. he He's had kind of a bad track record recently with uh, that movie he made with his son and uh, I guess Suicide Squad, although I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But uh, I'm going to watch it, especially if it's on Netflix, you know, why not? Yeah. It's not costing me, you know, a $20 movie ticket. It's like you basically you've already paid for it. Yeah. So I'll check it out and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it goes well. Uh, It'd be cool if it started, you know, a whole new... uh, kind of jump into image comics material because image comics has been on fire for years now oh yeah I yeah very please. much support image comics please let, let's get get spawn another go so that more or less wraps up our news for the week so without further ado let's get to the new releases coming this wednesday on let's see here 24th 25th 26th 27th uh, is that right 27th yeah let's look at you yeah yep 26th so wednesday 26th. the 26th these are the new comics coming to your comic shops <laughs> oh boy oh boy oh boy we have a lot <laughs> so from marvel comics we have ben riley the scarlet spider number five so he's clone, back clone spider-man's back yeah uh, and, doing and stuff well we we had to bring him back because our current spider-man uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's not a ringing endorsement Okay. I, I gotta be honest. <laughs> Next, we have Black Panther number 16. We have Cable number 3. We have Captain America, Steve Rogers number 19. Is that the one where he's still evil? Hydra one? You know, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Secret Empire's still happening, so yeah. Yeah, yeah that should be him as uh, Hydra. We have Deadpool number 34. We have Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series number 1. So I guess they made the video game into a comic series on top of everything else. I've it's heard the kind uh, of meta. I've heard the the Telltale game for Guardians is actually really not not that great. It's kind of disappointing. I mean, because Batman I heard was amazing, and I I haven't gotten around to it. I've been I've been having trouble with Telltale because their engine is just so bad. Like it's so janky. I mean, it's like when it's not controlling poorly, it's just quick time event the game. Yeah. 
It's just like the animations just look so poor. But I'm I gotta I'm gonna pick up the Batman game because I I just everybody tells me it's great, and as the DC guy, I should probably do that. Uh, yes, but then again, I still have to finish up Arkham Knight because I got like three fourths of the way through it, and then just kind of kind of crapped out on it. Yeah, just moved to another game, even though I loved it. Like I had no reason to stop. I was just like, I'm gonna try something else. So I need to finish that too. Which uh, <laughs> kind of hurt my DC cred. <laughs> it's okay. You'll get it back. <laughs> Next, we got Gwenpool, number 18. We have I Am Groot, number three. We have Iceman, number three. Oh, they gave Iceman his own comic. That's cool. Iceman, number three. We have Infamous Iron Man, number 10. We have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 21. We have Occupy Avengers, number nine. We have Secret Empire, number seven. Hill Hydra. We have Spider-Gwen, number 22. We have... Star Wars, Doctor Fra, <laughs> Afra, Doctor Afra. I don't know. You Star Wars nerds can tell me. <laughs> we have Thanos number nine. We have uh, the Edge of the Venom. Your, I'm sorry, folks. We have the Edge of the Venomverse number three. We have the Mighty Captain Marvel number seven, and I'm guessing that's actual Captain Marvel and not Miss Marvel. Looks like it. <laughs> we have The Punisher, number 14. We have Weapon X, number 6. And finally, X-Men Blue, number 8. Now, is Blue the one you liked? Or was it Gold that you liked? Um, I think it's... <sighs> See, here's the thing with X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. Uh, they're both kind of decent books... I think I side with Blue more because it's the original five, um, although they've gone and added, <laughs> uh, they've gone and added uh, young blonde Wolverine from the Ultimate Universe to this one. All right, uh, which I'm sure is going to work out just fine because <laughs> <laughs> we know his story always happened. It, it, right, um, in a pleasant. It, ending yeah let's let's have the wolverine that doesn't heal quite that well and just happens to be able to change his claws to bone or metal at will what the f it, okay we I, do what I, we want we we do what we want we like to have it both ways fine but uh just, just make sure he's ridden well please <laughs> next we have from image comics cannibal number seven we have Outcast number twenty nine. Those books are pretty good. Check Ooh. out Outcast. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> not that Outcast. So fresh and so clean. Oh wait, not that Outcast. <laughs> not not that Outcast. <laughs> we have. Uh, I want to say Packless. I haven't heard of that one. Hmm. Issue number three. We have Postal number twenty one which I have several of. It's pretty good. We have, it's kind of like a murder mystery. We have Ooh. Redneck, number four. We have Saga, which oh. Saga's been great for forever. So. Yeah, if you haven't started reading yet, start reading Saga. Yeah, we have it's Saga, number 45. We have Shudder, number 30, which I also have and need to still read. We have Sons of the Devil, number 14. And that looks like it wraps up Image. All right. From DC Comics, we have Action Comics number 984, because we returned to the original numbering, remember? Yeah, we're back. <laughs> kind of. 
I think. I wonder what they're going to do once they get to 1,000. I don't know. Mm. We Special have event again. Yeah. <laughs> we have All-Star Batman, number 12. We have Batgirl, number 13. We have Batman in the Shadow, number 4. We have Batman Beyond, number 10. We have Blue Beetle, number 11. We have Detective Comics, number 961. Hey, good job, DC. You got Blue Beetle going again. Uh, we have Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps, number 25. We have Hellblazer, number 12. And we need to bring Constantine back to television. Hashtag save Constantine. Even though it's years later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Bring him back. Or at least put Matt Ryan in a movie. Y- yeah. Justice League of America, number 11. Looney Tunes, number 238. Scooby-Doo Team-Up, number 28. Suicide Squad, number 22. Teen Titans, number 10. Flash. Oops, excuse me. The Flash. Number 27. <laughs> I had to get my uh, <laughs> articles right. The Commandy Challenge, number seven. Wonder Woman, number 27. From IDW, we have 24 Legacy, Rules of Engagement, number three. We have Back to the Future, Biff to the Future, number six. Because <laughs> why not? We have Revolutionaries, number six, which I think has a TV show about it. Maybe. I have to look that up. Not sure. And that looks like it wraps up IDW. And Dynamite, we have Blood Brothers, number two. And a whole lot of variant covers. From Boom Studios, we have Go Go Power Rangers, number one. We have Lumberjanes, number 40. We have Over the Garden Wall, number 16. Steven Universe, number six. We have The Power of the Dark Crystal, number five. WWE, number seven. And uh, from Dark Horse Comics, we have BPRD, The Devil You Know, number one, which has a pretty cool uh, cover for it. Oh, yeah. Very creepy. We have Bankshot, number two. We have Conan the Slayer, number 11. We have Joe Golem, Occult Detective, The Outer Dark, number three. We have Mass Effect Discovery, number three. We have Rebels, These Free and Independent States, number five. And I think that... Oh, we got Valiant. We can't forget Valiant. Can't forget Valiant. Which has nothing but variants, so we can forget Valiant. <laughs> just, just come up with another issue. And from Vertigo, we have Doom Patrol number seven, which is great. I love that we have Doom Patrol back. And we have Mother Panic number nine. So that, ladies and gents, is all your new releases coming soon. For our cover of the week... We have the Punisher number 14 receiving the lofty award of Hit the Books cover of the week. <sighs> yeah. This cover <laughs> illustrator is uh, Declan Shalvey. Shalvey. Probably Irish. Declan. Oh, yeah. That definitely sounds like it's from the Isles. But it's a cool uh, picture of the cityscape with uh, our good, friendly neighborhood Punisher. <laughs> aiming a sniper rifle at some poor soul with the uh, Punisher symbol in the stars. I'm sorry. It, it, good and friendly <laughs> with the word like following or not following, preceding the term Punisher. That that's just that tickles me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that bullet will do more than tickle you. <laughs> and then for our variant cover of the week, another Marvel cover. Congrats to Marvel yeah. for the lofty award. Uh, variant cover of the week for Hit the Books Podcast. We have Edge of the Venom Verse number three by Ron Lim. The Ron Lim variant cover of Edge of Venom Verse. 
if you guys are into covers that look like we're going back to the 90s, uh, d- check this one out. It's uh, a, it looks like Ghost Rider Venom, right? Yeah, Is that it what lo- I'm looking looks at? like the symbiote of vengeance. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of a uh, kind of Todd McFarlane-esque. Oh, yeah. It, like, oh, I, speaking of Todd McFarlane, how Todd could I McFarlane. forget? This oh. is news that was released yesterday. Oh, Breaking yeah? Breaking news, folks. Todd McFarlane directing and producing the new Spawn movie, R-rated Spawn movie. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. Spawn <laughs> is back, folks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe I forgot about that. Let's let's that fucking like go. The number one news item. Oh, my God. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I completely forgot about that. Spawn coming back. Tom McFarlane. Follow him to check it out. Tom McFarlane. You should if you don't follow him on uh, Facebook. I, he might do this on Instagram too. But if you don't follow him on Facebook, you should because he does these cool uh, art tutorials where he draws different characters and stuff. Like uh, uh, he he does uh, Venom a lot for people because that's one of his most popular ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that was his creation. Yeah, um, God, who's the Batman character? I'm forgetting that just died recently. Why can't I remember his name? Uh, the Batman character? Yeah, the guy who played Batman. Oh, Adam, Adam West. West. Yeah, he did uh Adam West Batman cover when Adam West died as like a tribute. So he did like an instructional for Adam West, and it was really cool. He does really really great instructionals. Uh, of course he does them on digital tablets now because that's how everybody does it now but you can kind of yeah glean off what he's doing to figure out how to do it in pencil and pen so you can take tips from the master yeah definitely uh follow todd mcfarlane because he does some some really cool stuff uh but yeah you can't believe i forgot that news uh, i i am i'm a kid again remembering how much <laughs> i think i remember the previous spawn movie being some kind of entertaining mm. It probably doesn't hold up, but... Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I can confirm this. But... Not quite as bad as Steel, but... (laughs) Because Steel is pretty bad, but it's up there. There is no uh, comic book movie worse than Steel. Actually, there is. It's Howard the Duck. (laughs) I'm sorry. Anyway, let's get into our topics. Emery, what topic are you bringing to the table? Uh, this is something that I've kind of heard over the last few years, over the last decade, more like, and it seems as though it's just, it's becoming more and more apparent with every passing year. Comic-Con, specifically San Diego Comic-Con, is not a comic book convention. And I'll tell you why. Every time anyone sees anything having to do with San Diego Comic-Con, it is in reference to a movie, or a TV series, or some other thing other than an actual comic book. And I think that's a little weird. I think it's a little weird that at what's supposed to be nerd mecca uh the only thing we hear about are movies that are on the horizon and i get it i do comic book movies are a huge thing right now and they have been 
Or at the very yeah. least, the movies just kind of bury the actual comic book news. Right, right. That's... And not even always comic book movies, like Lord of the Rings and <laughs> Hobbit buried stuff, you know. <laughs> not even a comic book. It, it, Star it, Wars. It, not I, a comic book. Right. Is yeah, I mean, they're making comic books after the fact, yeah. which, you know, that's fine. The comic books are great. I love Lando's limited series. No. <laughs> you shut your butt. Anyways. Comic books should be basically the highlight or the main attraction at something called a comic book convention. This is not the case. <laughs> I would like at least for there to be a return to or at least uh, basically uh, a sharing at the table, if you will, Mm -hmm. of the time spent talking about actual comics that are being released in actual comic book events, since that's becoming more of a thing now. Mm -hmm. Um, There should be more time spent on that and less time... Basically having everyone standing outside of, like, certain halls waiting to basically hear a bunch of movie actors talk about the movie that's about to come out for, like, an hour and then leave to go wait in line somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. What do you think? I think this has been a problem for a while now uh, where it is just kind of the movie fest and i it, it's another problem i think with the whole uh la landscape i don't have any issues with la but let's face it la is hollywood you know they're synonymous it's what what happens there when you're doing everything around southern california San yeah, diego when, you know when someone says la they think of hollywood yeah uh, la san diego all those areas you know they coincide with hollywood and hollywood culture so it's it makes sense that now that both DC and Marvel and pretty much every comic company of significance is in Southern California, that it's all about movies now. Yeah. And it's no secret that the movies are probably their biggest revenue, you know, more so than toys and comics and video games and animation and syndication. Yeah, it's movies probably. Easily. I mean, they... (laughs) <laughs> you know, you make a billion dollars on a $200 million investment. That's a pretty good return, you know? Yeah, uh, and now they're getting to the point where they're releasing three movies yeah. each a, a year. year? Yeah. <laughs> That's an outrageous amount of profit, you know? If their comic business makes, um, you know, probably not, but $100 million a year. Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, a penny in the fountain compared to what they're making on their, you know, movies. Right. So it it makes sense that that's where the money is. That's what's going to go there. And every movie that that has any kind of appeal to that subculture of Americans or, you know, Westerners in general are going to want to showcase their movie there. Whether it is Star Wars, whether it is Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, whether it is, you know, (laughs) you know, any kind of future endeavor, sci-fi, whatever, you know, you name it. And then kind of underneath them, you get video games kind of taking up some space and animation like uh uh young justice announcing their season three and showing some characters and stuff like that sort of thing yeah um 
And then at the very, very bottom of the <laughs> fucking pool of news, <laughs> you get the announcements about the comics. Like, for example, for DC, uh, they talked about how Frank Miller is coming back to DC to write a Superman Year One. Completely buried. You, if if you weren't the comic guy like me, looking for DC news, you would not have found it. Most likely. I'm a comic guy, and I had no idea. And now that he's coming back, I'm a little worried because Frank Frank Miller is famous for Dark Knight Returns, of course. Yeah, it, but he has also had some not great runs. Uh, if you know Frank Miller's writing, he uh, has some iffy storylines, specifically with um, uh, Batman and Robin. Yeah, uh, specifically the the Robin Year One stuff. Where he basically makes Dick Grayson into, like, a murderer (laughs) and uh, kind of abuses him in very specific ways that are kind of disturbing and, like, totally out of character for what Batman probably is or should be, even in his universe. Right. Between that and All-Star Batman and Robin, where we have things like... Oh, uh, not only is Batman like the biggest asshole in the world, yeah. but he almost let Robin kill uh, Hal Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's cover him in paint and just break his neck and you know, <laughs> <laughs> just ridiculous stuff, you know. Oh my god, yeah. So Frank Miller, you know, he, I love Dark Knight Returns. It's a classic. It's a little heavy-handed for me, but it's 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 a classic that everybody loves and respects. Just go back to Sin City, but I'm, please. I'm, I'm not sure that that's the route he should go. Um, Superman. I think if there's any writer that should never touch Superman, it's Frank Miller. It's probably Frank Miller, yeah. But again, I kind of count my chickens before they hatch. You know, yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll I, be great. I don't know. Who I, knows? I mean, by all means, Frank Miller, prove me wrong. I would love to read an amazing Superman story by Frank Miller. Things I'd never thought I'd say out loud. Yeah. But again, this is news that was kind of buried under everything else. You know, right. That is the modern embodiment of uh, Comic-Con. And, um, you know, uh, it builds a cool culture, and I don't have a problem with it existing as it is. But I think a lot of it comes from the success of the Marvel movies, and a lot of it comes from... Uh, the big moves to Southern California. I think if the if New York City had remained the kind of comic mecca, there would be less emphasis on kind of the movie culture and unrelated comic stuff, you know? Yeah. And I think it, it was just, especially in DC's case when they followed Marvel to Southern California, I think it was just a blatant, a blatant entry into trying to poach not only writers and artists from marvel because you know if you contract an artist or something usually they have to live in the city yeah so you're going across the country moving back and forth especially if you're going in between companies oh yeah so that's trouble on their comic side but i think it was also a blatant endeavor to try to poach producers and directors getting closer to where the movies are made yeah Yeah. exactly And, and of course it coincides you know DC moved to Southern <laughs> California right before BBS came out, you know, right before they yeah. really started drilling that production schedule, you know. So, uh, I think it's just symptomatic of what has happened 
with the success of the Marvel movies. It's great that we have them. It's great that we have great uh, comic book movies in general and production in general. But we've kind of lost our kind of East Coast, Midwest meccas of comic book worlds, you know? Yeah. And now everything is kind of the kind of uh, ultra-liberalized Southern California stereotype. And everything's about kind of the movies and kind of appealing to that L.A., San Francisco culture, you know? Yeah. San Diego, San Francisco, L.A., you know, coastal California society. It it didn't used to be like this. It's not quite as cut and dry in basically every other part of the country, including the very, very progressive New York City, a place I have lived (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah, lived, you you I know. I lived in Brooklyn right after nine eleven. You know, and it was not uh, <laughs> nearly as progressive as, as you might think. Uh, but that having that kind of difference in outlook generates very dynamic stories. Whereas, uh, again, like the movies, is kind of in California, everything. Everybody seems to be super rich for whatever reason. Even the <laughs> poor people are r- uh, super rich. Nobody has a struggle, you know. No, <laughs> all the characters are everything inclusive without any kind of systematic struggle in place. Right, and it's, I think the same thing's kind of happening in the movie universe and how the movie universe and Hollywood culture in general that kind of super elite, super progressive society is just kind of bleeding into everything yeah which is not entirely a bad thing but when it's all you're getting right and there's no kind of dichotomy you know there's no gray area in between it's just this way or no way you know and it's kind of showing with dc announcing that oh we're going to go super light and cartoony and friendly again you know yeah i'm like there's a reason that died off in the 90s you know (laughs) it was not good (laughs) we had blue and red superman and oh all these terrible stories coming out of the 90s uh, (laughs) terrible artwork i i I, I just remembered the blue and red superman oh oh yeah oh yeah that's the dc they want to bring back so oh god i see that coming back i'm not as a dc guy i'm not looking forward to it but yeah kind of went on a tangent Uh, minor (laughs) tangent in response to your question but but yeah yeah, these are all symptoms of what's happened well what's happened with them moving as a result Mm -hmm. san diego comic-con has become basically a movie convention and again to play devil's advocate just a little bit yeah it's a good thing that comics has perpetuated itself to the point where it's no longer just a a subgenre of people that get to appreciate it. Everybody's appreciating it. It is its own full genre. Yeah. Not only of movie, of book, of comic book, of video game. It is its own separate genre set apart from everything else that exists in these different media categories. So it's it's cool that comics have infiltrated our culture so deeply now. And we live in an awesome time where we are getting, you know, six plus, you know, DC Marvel comic book movies every year. And, and that's uh, without even, Netflix. E- and even if half of them aren't good, you know. <laughs> that's still you know, another three good movies, like, yeah. a year based on comics. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's not like the pitter-pattering, uh, you know, the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern oh. by itself, you know. Oh. And maybe... 
maybe if we're lucky in <laughs> Iron Man, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. That we've the Year of Steel oh. <laughs> and George Clooney Batman. Oh. You know, uh, things are progressing. Those dark days have gone. Yeah, it, I think things are. Not just progressing, things are accelerating. Yeah. You don't want things to be dark, DC? Look at the George Clooney movies. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need Schumacher again. We tried Light Batman. It doesn't work. We don't need Nipple Bat. No. Replacing Fat Bat. <laughs> we also don't need Hulk Poodles, but we're we're not going to talk about that movie. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it's just... And I think one of the things that has kind of become more apparent as things have gone on is that while San Diego Comic-Con used to be like a nerd mecca. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with, it still the, is. I, it still is. Just not specifically comic book. Right. Now it's just every nerd has to have their own two cents in there. Right. But now people have become more aware of other comic book conventions. Like that are like closer to them, or maybe less expensive. Since going to San Diego, Ohio Com- Comic Con is super expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a hundred and twenty dollars a day. Oh, and it's it's nowhere on the level of like San Diego, <laughs> which really sucks. Because like, yeah, Columbus is a great place to have a comic book convention, but like, it is. Like, I remember actually going to one like Ohio years Comic-Con and years ago. It's just rough. <laughs> yeah. Even, it, Even like Cincinnati Comic Con, which is only an hour away from us, it's like it's good, but it's just it's, it's so expensive. It's fucking rough on the wallet. Very rough. Oh, but you get to hear about more of those because, like, now that the San Diego Comic Con type feel has become more appealing, I think there are like a bunch of like convention centers like around like across America. Mm-hmm. That want to get in on a piece of the action, like sure. oh, we we have comic book creators or comic book like store owners or like traveling comic book artists that are like trying to show their work or whatnot. Sure. That basically get to have this venue is like oh yeah, come down to the comic book convention. These conventions are cool now, right? <laughs> <laughs> like the, these are a thing that like everyone wants to come to. If they can afford it, as yeah. we mentioned before, but uh, yeah, I mean that that's a positive. I mean, it's definitely made it less of a uh, kind of marginalized culture. That's that's a great thing, you know. People can dress up and fully represent, you know, yeah, the the genre they like and have loved for years, you know, openly without you know any too yeah. much mockery or anything, you know. Cosplay has really taken off now, mm. <laughs> like ever since like. Basically, since Marvel really got into the swing of things, yeah. So I mean, it's that's that's definitely a benefit of having these movies just kind of take over everything, you know, because now they are seen, you know, along the same lines as you know, Academy Award winning films like Lord of the Rings and yeah, cultural icons such as Star Wars. You know, they are seen just as good, you know, yeah. That like their fans seen as just as legitimate as any other, you know, fan. Yeah. And just about every studio is now trying to copy the Marvel method. Yeah. that That's a topic for another time. But yeah. It, so any last thoughts? Um, I think my last thought is going to be basically what I said, like, much earlier, is, like, they're just, 
I think, personally, there just needs to be more room at the table to talk about the actual comics that these characters are based on. Like, the new things coming out, new uh, artists, writers, events, like, things to look forward to down the line. Sure. Just more of the actual comics. Uh, that That's all I'm asking. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree to that extent. I would, I'd take... I would make some kind of stipulation where if you don't have at least some kind of comic tie-in, I mean, yeah. which is very easy to achieve, <laughs> if Power Rangers has a comic tie-in, you can feature comic Power Rangers. But if you have no comic tie-ins whatsoever, presently available or in process, you shouldn't be allowed in Comic-Con. Right. So that there that leaves more space, not only in the media ether, but also on the floor of the actual convention yeah. for creators and artists and smaller comic companies that aren't the DC vertigos and aren't the, you know, Marvels and the images, you know, these smaller up and rising comic companies and manga companies and whatever else can actually get on the ground floor and get some, some kind of attention be looked at because there is great stuff coming out of other companies. And it's kind of sad that the actual business that is the cornerstone of all of this is just getting kind of crushed under the weight of how successful the movies and the movie empire is. Right. That's, uh, and I think a a big way to correct a lot of this is to move the companies away from Southern California, but yeah, uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Not yet. Not yet. I I think they're, well, honestly, I think there just needs to be a backlash. Comics-wise, storybook, like, story-driven comics-wise, like, people need to actually bring up these very legitimate issues that are going on that are most likely the result of these people, like, basically changing their narrative because of their environment. Yeah, and that's definitely something to worry about when you when you exist in an echo chamber it's very hard to yeah go against that echo chamber <laughs> you know that's your livelihood that's where you go home you know right that's that's the press you have to deal with and you know whereas in new york city you know you have such a big influx from every everywhere you know it's it's hard to just cater to one specific group of you know right wealthy hollywood <laughs> elites you know anyway for my topic, I thought we could uh, go a little lighter this week and uh, oh. discuss comic book runs that we personally each really treasure and really love that aren't really advertised or weren't really heralded uh, like they probably should have been or could have been, mm. either because uh, the few critics that are out there didn't really... Uh, gravitate to them or because they're just kind of a less recognizable title and so people didn't pick them up and check them out oh yeah so to start this off for me uh i i always bring these guys up uh but justice league international Mm. not the original runs but actually the new 52 run of justice league international that was a great series uh, and it's really tragic that that run, it was, I think it was only 12 issues, maybe 13. It was only a year long I, and then they dropped it, but that was a, a fantastic run that added so much depth to all these characters. And, you know, 
you kind of had Batman appearing here or there as kind of the guiding force because you need a recognizable big name, you know, to kind of situate yeah. these things. And then they, like, I think the third issue, they add Guy Gardner because <laughs> they need something that was recognizable for most people, you know. Right. Gold, Booster, Gold is, <laughs> Booster Gold isn't probably going to bring the people to buy them. But not yet. I, I have hope for him. But that run was just fantastic, and it had so much heart, and it just, it was just about this ragtag team that was thrown together, more or less, to be kind of an international cooperation between nations. But it more, ended up being more of just kind of a scapegoat situation, you know, where we need someone to point the finger at. And these people deal with these crises that are just, a, just as critical as any other Justice League. <laughs> and they, they deal with some serious consequences because of it. And then you, you do have the kind of ego problem with Booster Gold clashing with Guy Gardner. <laughs> you know, both of them want to be the leader, even though neither of them are really qualified to be the leader. <laughs> and uh, you have these kind of marginalized, you know, Russians and Chinese superheroes that are like, well, there's a language barrier here. And they're, you know, we're trying to cooperate with these guys, but they're kind of assholes, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, it's Guy Gardner and Booster so the, Gold. <laughs> if I think it's only in one collection. Uh, unfortunately, it ended, and I think it ended because they were trying to set up the Brother Eye storyline that came like two years later. Oh. Again, events kind of... Events kind of tend to overshadow things. Overshadowing and kind of ruining an otherwise very good story, but... uh. It has a really tragic end and a really a really cool like heartfelt end, especially if you went through that entire line and really got to know the characters and really like the characters. So shout out to them. Uh, another line that is really kind of uh, not really uh, given its due is the Nailbiter series. Oh. Now, Nailbiter, I've brought them up several times because I have the autograph number one. Hey! And I love it. <laughs> But uh, Nailbiter is a really cool image comic that is basically a murder mystery uh, about uh, this town that has an unusual high number of serial killers that come out of this small town in the middle of nowhere. And this detective investigating the most recent one, they call him the Nailbiter because he chews the nails off the people that he kills all the way down to the bone. Ooh. And uh, discovers that there's far more at work here than just a simple, you know, group of serial killers that happen to be born in the same area. There's actually more to it. And I don't want to spoil anything because I want you to go and pick it up. I don't know if they're in collected editions, but you can probably find them pretty easily. I am going to look those up. (laughs) Obviously digitally, but support your local comic book stores. Go pick up the used ones because I'm sure they're out there somewhere. But this is a very, very cool story. It's a very, very unique story and you have this detective that's just going through the shit and he <laughs> he, he ends up in a way kind of having to team up with the, the latest serial killer oh you know, while while trying to keep him at bay it's kind of like a batman joker type of situation oh my god but, uh, i don't know if you're familiar but uh i don't know if it was after uh convergence or if it was before new 52 ended but there was a uh, batman europa i want to say had a really cool. It was in France, I think, and had a really cool art style to it. But sounds familiar. Basically, Batman and Joker have to make a truce in order to deal with the situation. And it's, it kind of reminds me of that kind of, you know, 
ultimate good versus ultimate evil coming together to deal with a greater evil you know it's kind of like a silence of the lambs and not yeah and not necessarily because the serial killer wants to do it but maybe more because he's entertained by the prospect you know something along those lines but it's a it's a really really cool story so definitely check out nail biter that series i think i don't know if it's still ongoing i think it ended Hmm. but uh that was about 20 issues last i checked so definitely check yeah. that out. Uh, there's some crossover stuff where they cross out over with some other like image uh, um, horror style books, but I wouldn't recommend doing that stuff because I I've never never liked when they cross like these story worlds, you know, an image because image is very unique in that its story worlds usually remain by itself, you know, right. And then finally, uh, I harp on this all the time. The very, very underappreciated Green Lantern. <laughs> okay. Um, you know where I'm going? Uh, I think I might. <laughs> so we have the Green Lantern with Kyle Rayner. Oh, my favorite. Green Lantern Guardians, New Guardians, New oh. 52. Oh, yeah. Kyle Rayner becomes the white lantern and this book single-handedly made me a kyle rayner fan because i i'm as it should for those that don't know i'm a military guy i used to be an infantryman in the army and i have always gravitated towards the more military characters in comics as long as they weren't like super cliche over the top ridiculous you know for example punisher like punisher yeah, uh, I always gravitated toward Punisher, I, you know, and his kind of thought process for all these things. You know, he's a former military man. John Stewart has always been my favorite Green Lantern because this is an international, not only police corps, but kind of like a UN of <laughs> of space. You know, oh yeah, the, where it is and, their job and, to try to save these people and prevent these, you know, interspatial crimes. You know, intergalactic space police wizards. Yeah. <laughs> And I always love that Sounds about they, right. they chose the creative military person, the creative military mind, the former Marine that went in and became a Green Lantern. And I love that aspect. And not only did that uh, create a very, very strong character base for the Green Lantern Corps, and more often than not, John Stewart ends up being in charge of the Green Lantern Corps when Hal Jordan is causing a lot of chaos, you know, <laughs> even though he was the third Green Lantern. Right. Uh, uh, I actually remember from the uh, Justice League cartoon, not the, uh, well, actually not Justice League cartoon, but Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came to, like, most of the newer characters that people weren't uh, familiar with, um, they would have Jon Stewart be the guy who's basically in charge of all of them. Yeah. And that's that's that makes sense because he's a guy that knows how to break in soldiers and lead soldiers in you know yeah. a war zone. So I've always kind of gravitated towards those military guys. But Green Lantern New Guardians just made me fall in love with Kyle Rayner's character. <laughs> Be- and I, yeah. you know, I've read many of the you know early versions of Kyle Rayner. I have autographed copies, you know, autographed by the artist that created him, Banks, uh, upstairs and framed and everything. And, you know, I always thought his mask was a little too goofy for me. <laughs> uh, I wasn't, I even though I'm a fan of Banks' artwork, I wasn't a fan of how his suit was kind of gritted out with black and with, like, the green barriers inside. And 
you know, it's a little yeah. too busy for me. And it, I get he's an artist by trade, so that makes <laughs> sense. And he does have a really cool kind of tragic story that happens with him and his beloved. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, things start out. He's not a really fan of, bad. He's not a fan of refrigerators. <laughs> 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 but uh, Kyle Rayner, uh, Ripperoni. He Alex. was always he was always kind of the number two for me. Uh, and DC again did pretty good with Simon Baz. I, I'm not too familiar with Jessica Cruz yet. Uh, she's the newest one. Yeah, but uh, Kyle Rayner in New Guardians is just so phenomenal. Because he's trying, he's he he still thinks of himself as a Green Lantern, and he just happened to run into this issue where he had to become a White Lantern <laughs> in the event that happened. Uh, yeah, and he's good at it. Yeah, he's was, really good at it. Like he and he, he mastered the emotional spectrum. Yeah, and not only is he good at it and struggling to maintain this almost all-powerful White Lantern ability that can literally bring people back from the dead, if using. If using if used by the correct people, uh, he managed to take all of these mismatched characters from all the the ring spectrums, including Larfleys, the <laughs> Larfleys from orange, the Arkello orange, from the, yellow, the only orange lantern, by the way, <laughs> it, for good reason. <laughs> he managed to take Larfleys. He managed to take uh, uh, Saint. Saint Walker. Saint Walker, thank you. Yeah. Saint Walker for the Blue Lantern Corps, who's very much useless without a Green Lantern around. <laughs> right. He's he, he's basically the support character. Yep. And he takes Hal Jordan's love interest. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Ferris. Star Sapphire. Yeah. He has uh you know, Sinestro's right hand man causing problems and getting angry. Again, Arkillo. He's got uh the Red Lantern uh, he, like he went Demon straight later he, he went De- Demon Lady Demon Lady yeah uh, and just has this whole mismatched crew of misfits from every Lantern Corps <laughs> and he's trying his hardest to get these assholes to work together and <laughs> yeah. and accomplish the goal and it's just so fun and entertaining watching these characters like kind of hate each other but kind of slowly falling in love with each other as a group. Yeah. <laughs> where, where at the end of that first year run, they really do seem to care about each other just as much as they would any other core member. Right. Uh, just as much as, you know, any other Star Sapphire or Yellow Lantern or Orange, <laughs> well, maybe not the Orange Lantern, <laughs> but Larflees is tolerated, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, Lar- Larflees does what he needs to do. But they have some awesome character dynamics with all of these characters and i i've told you before i don't like space opera nonsense <laughs> like i've i've never gravitated towards the space stuff i like when they're on earth or, right or some kind of earth-like planet something <laughs> along those lines you know yeah maybe, maybe that's my comic narcissism uh <laughs> i don't know but when it came to new guardians it it gave me a reason to love the space opera like it gave me a reason to love this ragtag <laughs> ridiculous group you know where they they have every reason to not like each other but they have every reason not to cooperate but they do it anyway you know because <laughs> they, they have to <laughs> not just because they have to but because damn it Kyle is just so convincing mm-hmm. <laughs> and Kyle just has those little bits of every spectrum he has that anger that still resides from when, you know, 
when <laughs> the, uh, the refrigerator yeah happened. ripperoni alex um, <laughs> he has that little bit of compassion he has that obviously he was a green lantern so he has that Ooh. kind of fortitude yeah, yeah. fucking will straight willpower willpower yeah, yeah. He, he knows how to inspire fear when he's angry you know like he has a little bit of all these spectrums that he can utilize and it's awesome seeing him coordinate with these characters and it's not even necessarily him that makes this comic worthwhile this run this new 52 uh green lantern new guardians is so good because of the dynamic of all the spectrum characters yeah and how they not only uh work together but very much conflict oh yeah it like it kind of makes me think of and this is going to be maybe a bit of a stretch but uh the movie inside out did you did you see that movie yeah it's a great movie Uh, like when I think of Pixar's of, best, probably. Oh, it's Z- their best. Zootopia might top it. I don't know. I haven't seen Zootopia. Zootopia is really good. It's on Netflix. You can oh. watch it. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, but when I think of all of these uh, emotionally different lanterns, uh, I think of that movie Inside Out and how like all of these things should be separate. Like for all like, intents and purposes, it makes more sense yeah. for these things for these characters to want to split off and just do their own thing absolutely but they work well together mm-hmm. because <clears throat> i mean let's face it like these these are the emotions that everyone has sure they, these people get to experience it in their own extremes mm-hmm. but they're held together for a reason mm-hmm. it's like through each other they get to experience you know like excess in their own but moderation from like the other person like sure. showing them like and uh yeah. you might detect a theme here it seems to be the mismatched uh un- unlikely team of books that i i seem to like the most but uh <laughs> one last one uh it kind of came late right before convergence so it kind of died an early death but aquaman and the others they had a a, a really cool dynamic and i think most of them were were new characters like you had Aquaman, sure, but he was the only water character. <laughs> and by the way, this is the good yeah. Aquaman. This is not the uh, kind of convergence, like yeah, super cartoony emo Aquaman, or you know, it wasn't the Hook, the Captain Hook Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this was the Aquaman nineties that... Hook Cap Captain. Yeah, yeah, no, this was the Aquaman that very much spent all his time, you know. On the coast, where his father raised him, you know, not <laughs> and not some just being sea king, the equivalent of sea space to me, <laughs> where it's just dumb and I don't care, you know. <laughs> but Aquaman and the others was a cool book, you know. You had kind of the Amazon jungle type of character, where she was just you know kind of the wild warrior type of character. Yeah, uh, you had the uh, war, the haunted war character who was. Uh, who had the souls of his entire platoon that died in battle with him uh, inside his body, and he could draw on their different skills and talents and even combine them and stuff. But in the meantime, in the downtime, he was, like, feeling all their requests, you know, trying to get him to go contact their loved ones and stuff, and, like, because they're tortured souls, you know? And he has all of that going at once, so he was a really cool character. And then... uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's there's a few deaths in it that are really really interesting, and 
they, they just had a really cool dynamic and it was a book that probably nobody picked up because let's face it it was aquaman <laughs> aquaman was, it was the a, headliner it was a team book that people didn't really recognize and uh, that sucks because it was great writing the artwork was really good it, it still had that very early new 52 uh aquaman look to it and uh, it's a shame that uh it didn't stick around very much because of a, an event again right uh i think if that event hadn't happened it probably it probably would have stuck around for at least another year and that was just a great team up book yeah (laughs) and uh unfortunately i don't add it to my official list of uh books that were underappreciated because it didn't end very well not not because of bad storytelling but because it kind of just left on a cliffhanger that never got solved because of the event you know right it got canceled for an event and then never really made a return ouch so that it, sucks it kind it, it always sucks when you get left hanging uh yeah how about you any books uh that I sticks have, out in your mind i have a couple i think um there is one actually by vertigo uh that I think it was uh, Warren Ellis was doing the writing. Uh, Transmetropolitan. Uh, not many people know about this one, but uh, it is probably one of the most well-written. It's not an ongoing. I think it stopped at like 60 issues, but it had quite the run. And man, was it controversial. Why? Uh, uh, I'm not familiar with it. So. Okay. Uh, well, the basic premise is, are you familiar with the uh, actual person, Hunter S. Thompson? Yes. Okay. So, basically, imagine that person in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> and uh, this is basically a character. We're losers, people. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. MST3K. Both. All, all of you real fans will know what that is. <laughs> all right. Um Okay, so basically take that kind of character, put them in the kind of recognizable but not very close future, um, and he's like still kind of a... It starts with him being uh, a journalist who went into seclusion because he was just tired of the world going straight to hell. (laughs) And where the story picks up is that... Basically, in order to, one, keep doing the things that he actually wants to do, uh, he needs money. And in order to make money, he ends up crawling back to this, basically this uh, news company. Mm -hmm. And where it goes from there is basically a series of vignettes of just, like, weird things that happen, like, day-to-day bullshit. Uh, but there's also, uh, like a few, like several, like issue stories where it covers something that seemed eerily familiar to things that were actually happening in real life. Wow. Um, I think this was actually written during like the Bush Jr. administration. And there's a part of that that shows there's specifically, uh, like later on in the series, there's an election that happens, and I'm not going to go into too many more details because you should just read it. It's really <laughs> all right. It, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's yeah. really entertaining. It's a Vertigo. Yes. Okay. Uh, like 
if you've seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, <laughs> it, it, like he's Johnny Depp as a character is basically Hunter S. Thompson, like in real life. Sure. Uh, basically, take that character and put them in a comic book. All right, cool. Have to uh, check that out. Oh yeah. Um, there's that one. Uh, going much more recent. Uh, there is actually within Marvel. A story that I never thought was going to happen, but somehow it did for, unfortunately, only five issues. Um, Deadpool v. Gambit. (laughs) Which you've mentioned before. I have. Um, If anyone's familiar with the concept of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, where it's basically uh, two assholes who manage to pull off something together and then are at each other's at each other's throats later on. Yeah. It's basically the story. And fortunately, it has the uh the good sense to not be really tied to anything. This is just like a really hilarious kind of side story. Nice. Um yeah, like anyone who hasn't read it yet, it's an amazing read. It reads kind of like a movie. Uh, check it out. Oh my god, you will not be disappointed. Alright, any other ones? Um, trying to think if I have one more. Uh, um, lesser known one. Didn't get the praise it deserved. I'm sure I'm gonna think, I I thought of this topic right before we did the podcast, so I'm sure there's gonna be more that I'm like, ah, why didn't I mention that, you know? Right. Uh, uh, Yeah, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Alright, well, that's our topics for the week. We do not have a cosplay of the week this week, because I was busy rendering 600 videos. (laughs) Uh, But we will have more for you. The Guardians of the Galaxy review that we did a month ago is (laughs) is finally up. Sorry it took so long, folks. We still owe you a Logan. And Wonder Woman is done. We just got to... I got to finish editing and uh, redoing it because we, we had some audio that got corrupted and had to, I had to redo it. So oh, yeah. sorry about that, folks. It should be out this week. Uh, you, you'll probably have Spider-Man Homecoming come before Logan. Uh, I just got to see it first. Right. Uh, so <laughs> that old thing. We can talk about that uh, <laughs> after the podcast. But uh, thank you for sticking around and listening to our podcast this week. This is Hit the Books Podcast. Remember to support your local comic book stores and uh, buy your physical media because... Uh, we need to support those artists and creators out there. Yeah, that that is where they make most of their revenue. And while you can get these things digitally, and most oftentimes if you can't find something, you, you kind of have to. But uh, you kind of lose that open page experience. You lose that community experience when you go into a comic book store and you talk to the other guys, what they're reading, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like, uh, what the, the, the store owner liked, what the store owner didn't like, and the staff, you know. And it's just a kind of community you can't... Uh, Really replace. Yeah, you can't really replicate that uh, through an online store. And like most things, you know, once it's gone, you really don't get it back. So if these stores close down, it's very likely that you're not going to get them back in any way, shape, or form. Right. So uh, let's try to keep that physical media and that physical community alive and uh, try not to get lost in our cell phones for another generation. And also, it just reads easier as long as, you know paneling is done right 
Sure. So uh, for next week, hopefully we'll have a guest at the table to bring us a third topic, and we will have a cosplay of the week next week for sure. So look forward to that. Uh, sorry to Todd McFarlane for forgetting you in the news and having to bring you up <laughs> later. I'll probably edit this <laughs> so that you are in the news. And, and we love you. We, we, we love your work. I'm looking forward to your movie. And for all the people whose names I forgot today, which <laughs> I often do, uh, forgive my uh, faulty brain. So without further ado, we love you. This is Hit the Books Podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Peace.